live from Race City, USA. It's Blind Spotting, the NASCAR podcast from a fresh, personal, and blue collar take. Race reviews, race previews, the latest news, and more. And now, your hosts, Michael Colbert, Andrew Coates, and Travis Sherry. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Blind Spotting. This is episode 26. I can't believe it. We are live tonight in the Cottle Creek compound. And as always, I'm here with my pals, Michael Colbreth and Andrew Coates. Boys, how are you? Doing good. Yeah, I can't complain. It's always good to be be here with you folks and uh, talking about racing. So. Coming off of a triple header weekend at Darlington this weekend, on Friday night we had Sheldon Creed going to Victory Lane in the Truck Series. Saturday saw Justin Allgaier win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and Sunday saw a good old-fashioned butt-kicking by Martin Truex Jr. Mm -hmm. led tons and tons of laps on Sunday. Let's just get your thoughts on the weekend as a whole, Andrew, we'll start with you. You know, the cream ro- rose to the top a little bit in the, in the truck series. You know, Creed winning. At, it was a good race. It was a lot of good racing. I think some experience there with some cautions and, you know, especially late. I think the Xfinity series, that was the best one of the weekend. You know, Algar notching his, his second one of the season, I believe. You know, really topsy-turvy there at the end. There was a lot of late pit stops, and it was interesting because a lot of the guys that came in, I think, saw what happened at the end of Stage 2, where the 20 car just looked like he had an extra 100 horsepower and ran back up through the field and took the stage win. But then at the end of the race, a lot more guys stayed out, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, so it cost some of those guys that were running top 5, top 10 all day. I think a not a, you know, they ended up with not a great finish. Cindric uncharacteristic day finished way back i don't think that means anything in terms of the long run everybody gets a mulligan well he got he got turned erect or something on the last lap yeah and, and put i him was in the wall there. but he was already back in the back of the pack. he was yeah but yeah. that definitely did him and i gotta be honest i was disappointed with fox a little bit they gave us one view of it and then we never saw it again mm-hmm. and you couldn't really tell what happened you know with the one view that we got well, that's true, but they don't really have a. If on the final lap of the race, I wouldn't think they've All got the their cameras, cameras on focused the yeah. on the middle of the pack. Yeah. You know? Speaking so of, and we'll get to this later. Next year, there'll be in-car camera on every car. Hmm. Interesting. So we'll talk about that because that's one of the things that makes IndyCar and F1 interesting is that there's always a view because everybody's got a camera. Mm-hmm. So I guess those all those in-car cigarette smokers are going to have to they are. stop that. And it's amazing. I saw, and I guess they, I, I don't know if it was because it was Darlington, but I think like Dick Trickle used to, there was oh, a, yeah. the video, oh, yeah. not long ago, he would have no. like his full faced helmet and he was, <laughs> it was in the red, 90s. red yeah. black and lap. It, and it, he'd have, he had a little lighter like yeah. a like a to the to the side of a seat yeah. and it light one up and then of course david pierce and all those guys used a lot of those guys used to smoke but it's amazing to go back and you know see some of those clips and what they used to do none of those guys do it obviously today and really. they just fling it out the window yeah that's yeah. right gotta wait till your <coughs> fellow driver's going by you know yeah flick it right, oh, right sorry, sorry about it. I didn't mean yeah. to do that. pardon me and then i think the last thing on the xfinity race i mean the the big you know elephant in the room is the you know the nine car Finishes fourth and has gets DQ'd and stripped of everything. And Junior Motorsports is appealing. And what do y'all think about what you? I mean, there's not been much out on there, but apparently they didn't like the way the suspension was anchored. It was apparently allowing something to move in a non 
uh, in a direction that was not allowable. Yeah. <laughs> but but preferable. But, but yeah. definitely gave yeah, them an advantage. Yeah, preferable from a competition standpoint. Interesting for sure. I hate it for the JRM group. We were supposed to have Kelly Earnhardt Miller on with us tonight. Uh, she had some other obligations, and so we're going to attempt to reschedule that at a later date. But that was a big deal because Gregson was the winner of the $100,000 dash for cash. So not only did he finish 40th, not only did he only get one point, not only did all of his stage points go away that he accumulated, he also lost $100,000 for his team. Yeah, and I believe they said the last two times he had won it, he had given that to his team. Yes. So, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the driver had nothing to do with what happened no. to that, but it, it probably sucks. Somebody's yeah. made that decision, or or maybe in the appeal they're going to say, and by the time this airs, it may have already come out, but maybe they're going to say that something untoward happened and it wasn't intentional or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, I mean, we just, we don't know. No. We don't know. And and I, I think it went to Almendinger, who finished like 12th or 14th. So I think yeah. all the other guys came, they knew they weren't going to beat the nine car. They came in for tires to try and... Yep. come back mm-hmm. up to the field but you just two laps isn't enough when you got to pass 20 cars yeah. no and that's we've had you know we participate in that fantasy league with uh, lap traffic and was that two two weeks in a row yeah. that's kind of bit us harrison burton is yeah. running third and let me let's go in and take a pit and come out 18th now he ran up through there and ended up finishing 11th or 11th but now 10th, 10th penalty, because of the yeah. dq and then i forget Nemechek who it was the Kansas. week before, before that when speaking of Nemechek, you know he didn't finish as high, but he and his, I believe it was his teammate, got into it on a restart or something and, and got them. But but he still ran up strong to get it into the top 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. a talented young man. I mean, obviously, he's got really good equipment Yes. Um, at Kyle Busch Motorsports last night, but you've got to be able to drive that equipment. No, Not a lot of people can, and that truck was a little torn up, but he still you know, had a good finish. Well, and who was it in the Xfinity race that had half the right front missing off of it? Brandon Jones or somebody? I think so, yeah. I mean, and just and- was running... F- Seemed to be running fine. I don't think you can discount. I know that he drove for Front Row Motorsports last year in the Cup Series. I don't think you can discount what a year of Cup experience would give any driver going back down to a lower series. Uh, it can only absolutely. help. And, um, and, and access to the type of minds and ideas. You know, the lower series, there are some... some great people in there obviously but it's not going to be the complement of engineers and crew chiefs and car chiefs that you get at the top level of 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 national motorsport so having been able to access those people look at the data get coached on how he's supposed to drive now he's got a guy who's a two-time cup champion as his boss and probably want wants to see him win a title for the organization i mean that's got to be that's got to be good and you wonder if somebody like an anthony alfredo is going to end up doing the same thing yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on the cup race, Andrew? No, I was a snoozer. Uh, Larson what? Larson's really consistent. Hamlin, another yeah. top five. Yeah, He made it interesting there at the end. He um, did. You know, Kyle, but I think he just kind of ran out of what he had. He, at least it and, wasn't. He he did make the last 50 laps interesting. He yeah. did, and, and I, I appreciate that. I also wonder how much the 19 was just managing these, just managing the gap. Well, I was listening on the radio because we were traveling, and to hear those guys tell it on the broadcast – both those cars were running out of tires. So they were both slipping and they sliding were. around through there. And, you know, that says a lot. The, both those drivers, apparently their right fronts were just, I mean, gone. But they kept it from spinning and, you know, maintained their position, which was pretty yeah. impressive uh, considering the circumstances and how you got to drive around that around that track and the weird shape of it. And 
know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's I think we've covered a lot. There was one thing I wanted to mention. You know, it was Throwback Weekend, a lot of cool paint schemes. I'd heard, I want to say it was Carl Long, pulled his car down there on one of those open bed trailers. Like one of those, he went throw, like old school throwback where you had the tires on, mm-hmm. the, on the front front part like a lake model trailer yes and he took it the the is it xfinity or truck whatever they they race i don't think it was yes it's xfinity because that's the car graxon hit down in daytona Mm -hmm. but he hauled it from charlotte or wherever their base concord down to darlington to open the daggum cars you can see it as you're going down the road with the tires up there and he did it just as a throwback school uh, that's pretty cool you know shout out to carl long there before we move on to you know other things, I wanted to kind of mention. I know we know the story, we know the background, we know why Darlington is shaped like it is. If you're looking at it from from the top or from one end, it kind of looks like an egg. And if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know why that is, and you're just kind of interested in learning more about the sport, you're just getting into it. So there's a story behind the way Darlington is the way it is. So there was a man named Harold Brazington back, I want to say, in the late 40s, early 50s. He's a former racer, businessman around Darlington. He was friends with Bill France Sr., and he got this idea of wanting to put a, a racetrack in Darlington to see, you know, the big the Cup Series, the NASCAR boys would come to town. They knew it would be good for the local economy. So he got the blessing of NASCAR to put a track in Darlington, but they needed some land. So they went to local farmer Sherman Ramsey, and bought 70 acres. So this was Harold Brazington headed up a kind of a group of businessmen to do the track and different investors. And Sherman Ramsey sold him some acreage and also agree, and also got ownership in into the track as well. So he grew peanuts. I want to say he grew cotton on the property. He, and he had two ponds, a bass pond and a minnow pond. And he said, you can Take the bass pine, you can plow the peanuts under the cotton, but you better leave my minnow pine. That's the only thing that's not negotiable. Because that's a that's a moneymaker. You know, you you can sell those minnows to people who are fishing, and that's just you know, I, so I get why he wanted to hang on to that. And that thing is still there today. So that's why one end, if you look at a picture of it, that pond keeps that one end a little tighter. It can't be a full true oval where both turns are the same. So turns three and four are smaller. And then turns one and two, which makes it very challenging in terms of setting a car up because you drive both ends of that track differently. So it's winning at Darlington is really doing something. And a lot of guys feel that's one of their, if you had a, you know, the major races like they do in, in golf, that the Southern 500 would be one of those majors. Like yeah, a it's one of the fitting. four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I, yeah. I, I think that's neat too about that. You know, they had a brace of asphalt, asphalt. There's all that sand down there. Yes. Yeah. And it rips the tires up. And the other thing is when they first, and I don't know the exact, but I think they were running around 110 to 120 miles an hour lap average, mm. something like that, when that thing was first opened. I want to say the first pole speed was like 80 something so but now it's what 170 170 160 Mm -hmm. so i mean they're running way faster than that track was ever designed to accommodate Mm -hmm. and that's why it's got such a if you're a if you're not a a every week fan or listener you you wonder why they run such bizarre lines well Mm -hmm. it's because that track is so old and so unique that that's what it takes to get around there. And th- and that's why you see a lot of comers and goers. You see a lot of Darlington stripes is because the margin for error is not like a California or Kansas mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere where you can, you know, find a different line. There's one way around that place. Definitely. So before we move on and talk about other matters at hand tonight, I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions 
as we put a bow on Darlington. One, what did you think about actually racing on Mother's Day? I know that that probably prevented us from being there, but did you like it? Do you want it to be on a Saturday night? What did you think? Because the TV viewership, it was the most watched NASCAR race Mm -hmm. on Fox Sports 1 since 2017 with more than 3 million viewers. I don't think it's going anywhere, but what did you guys think about that? Well, I was, I'm okay with it. I think it's, you know, that race used to be synonymous with Mother's Day, just like the fall race is synonymous with Labor Day. And the Labor Day race is on Saturday night, or the Labor Day weekend. Sunday. Or, or Sunday. It's at, it's at night. Yeah, it's at night. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and Labor Day Monday's off. Anyway, so it almost feels like a Saturday-Sunday uh, deal there. But, I yeah, I, I think it's part of what makes it special. Mm-hmm. They know, always it, ran it, it at the Mother's night before, Day. right? Yeah, they, they always ran it. This was the one. So they ran it. The single Darlington race was Mother's Day weekend for a while, Mm -hmm. but it was always the night. Yeah, Yeah. and I don't. I wouldn't have a problem if they're both night races. I think a Saturday night would be would be a lot of fun. Now that would make it difficult for them to run all three series, right? Unless you ran the trucks on Thursday, the Mm -hmm. the Xfinity Mm -hmm. on Friday, and the Cups on Saturday. I mean, it's doable, but you're not going to get as many people yeah. maybe at the truck race as you would if it was on I the think Friday. it's a good... I mean, there's not a lot of sports on Mother's Day weekend, so yeah. I think that's one reason you get a good yeah. rating. I also think you end up with a lot of people visiting, and there's a TV on mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. Sure. I also think that they did it that way this year because they had to have that three-week break in October or uh, August. Yeah. So they only had so many weekends that they could keep as off weekends. And yeah. so I think it's fine. I mean, I didn't hear... I got a lot of mothers in my life, you know, blessed that yeah. way. But I didn't hear a single one of them go, "Well, daggum that NASCAR race." Yeah. You know? No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, I w- I was curious to see the TV numbers though, and the, and the fact that they were that high, I think that we're going to see an even larger reduction in night races starting next year because the numbers this year have proven that Sunday afternoons are a prime slot for. NASCAR. I think that's true until you get to the fall, and then you're not beating the NFL. That's true. Yeah, you know, I think true. in the spring and the early summer, unless you're a golf fan, yeah, or or watching some other type of motorsports, mm-hmm. what are you watching? Mm-hmm. Because now, eventually, you know, in June there'll be the NBA court, you know, semifinals and finals. Yeah. They're a little later this year because of the pandemic. Uh, you have the Stanley Cup, but those aren't the NFL draw that you get in the in the fall. And right. so I think I agree with you. I don't think they'll have as many night races in the in the spring and summer. Right. Um, hell, they're running Atlanta in the daytime in yeah. July. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention, should we just engrave the trophy with Martin Truex Jr.'s name on it, the championship trophy? Nope. reason I say that, six of the final 10 races are the 750 horsepower package. They well, have dominated some... on that type of track this year. They won Bristol Dirt. They won at Martinsville. But how'd they run at Phoenix? Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, and you can, and, and the answer is no because the answer would have been no last year when everybody said, "Well, let's go ahead and just like, let's crown Kevin Harvick the or champion. Denny Hamlin because yeah. you never know. I mean, stuff happens. You might hit the wall in Texas. I mean, they like referenced it's just bizarre. They stuff. referenced it this weekend. Ask ask. Uh, they were talking about Corey LaJoy's Z Rex car and then yeah. who and then the Hooters car Alan for Kowicki. Elliott. Yep. Yeah. Ask ask Larry McReynolds and Bill Elliott how it works out on the last weekend. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that was yeah. before the playoffs. So, yeah. um, I agree with you. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I mean, he'll he's be formidable. Good, though. Looking good, but remember, there's the playoffs are as diverse as they've ever been. You just got to make it in. 
and win. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not a cumulative point thing all the way through the end. If you can make to that final four and anybody's. And we saw last year in, in, in the, the, was it the truck series? Just because you're running well, the whole race doesn't mean you're going to win the title. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? All right, we talked about this a little bit in the open. Sheldon Creed has, let's say he has ticked some higher-ups off. Is that a fair way to say it? Well, one of them. Bitten Um, bitten one of the hands that feeds him. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, Sheldon Creed has run a white truck for the vast majority of races this year. And Marcus Lamonis, CEO of Camping World, who sponsors, who is the entitlement sponsor of the truck series, came out and said, look, if there are any teams that need sponsorship, you can put a Camping World logo on your truck. I'll give you $15,000. And the higher you finish, the more money y- you can earn. Well, somebody tweeted something out about mm-hmm. how, you know, Sheldon Creed shouldn't be having a white truck at most of these races. He's the defending champion and all this stuff. Marcus Lamonis responded and said, look, the invitation is there for $15,000. And the better you run, the more the more money you can earn. Well, then Sheldon Creed, not very smartly, in my opinion, responded and said, our team is worth more than $15,000 a race. Basically, we don't need your money. Now, if I'm a driver who just won a championship, who got a big check signed by the CEO of Camping World, that's the last thing I'm going to tell him I don't need his money. Well... It's hard to put ourselves in the shoes of a champion, and you know when you once you win that title and you've got champion Sheldon Creed to go along with your name, I think you make statements that you probably wouldn't otherwise, and you know he's probably got a lot more confidence than he did you know a year ago when you've got champion in front of your name, and nobody can ever take that away from him. You know, it, I'm sure if he could take that back, when you've got zero dollars compared to fifteen, you're taking the fifteen. Yeah. Is the team worth more than fifteen? I agree with Sheldon that it is. But until you get a better offer, that offer that's on the table, I think you've got to take that, especially if it's got potential to if you go win the race, what you get fifty grand. But she, I mean Sheldon's just firing from the hip. He's frustrated because they don't have one. Uh wrong person been, to say that to they haven't been running well. He hasn't been running well. None of GMS has. But um, I mean, you know, but it came up and won the race, you and know. So you're in that situation. You're the reigning champion. You just won a race. You're feeling pretty cocksure at that at that point, and you're just firing things off that you may not otherwise. That's so, all. So and he's, he's a young kid. He's right. They're worth more than that. And and I don't know how it works getting sponsorship. Maybe it's better to have a white truck and win races, attract a sponsor that's more than one race at a time. But you have to win. And he's only done it once this sure. year. Sure. I'm just saying maybe there's some reason in marketing, you know, there's a marketing person saying it's better to have a white truck that shows we're available than one that's painted in somebody else's livery. See, I don't agree with that. If for no other reason than look at Raphael Lassard. You know, here's a guy that signed up to run a full season. Uh-oh, they have to shut it down because they don't have sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So who's footing the bill for uh, Sheldon Creed truck if they don't have a sponsor. Who's paying for the, all that stuff? My Gallagher. guess is that it's Maury Gallagher, his yeah. owner. Yeah, well, He owns Allegiant. I think they're doing just yeah, fine. Yeah, I mean, I think they're okay. doing fine, but my thing is... I think it's just... I think it was one of those things that he probably might have had a... 
you know, who knows, but he could have been relaxing. He could have been frustrated. He could have had a beer or two. And I think it was probably one of those things that he was trying to clarify. The reason we aren't taking it is because we think we're worth more. And I don't know that it's so much that it isn't true, but it's just maybe something you don't say out in public. I'm sure that he and Lamonis will have a conversation about it. Your team is only worth what a sponsor is willing to give you, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you can say, you can say that it's worth a certain amount of money, but if a sponsor is not willing to give you that amount of money... That allows you to race competitively. But on the flip side, do we want it to be the Marcus Lamona series? And every, I mean, with that that one race was kind of neat to see all those Camping World trucks. But mm-hmm. if he just wants to buy the series, then just buy the series and paint them all your colors. We don't want it to be that way. But the truck series is floundering. It's competitive, but there's a lot of back marker teams and even some front marker teams that don't have sponsorship. Which is true. I mean, IndyCar went through it. IndyCar went yeah. through it even after the merger. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's. On the ovals, they're starting 18 cars. Yeah. I mean, the 15, they have to find 15 people to run the Indy 500. I don't think his comment was a necessarily towards Lamonis. I think it was just the fact that he's frustrated that they're not getting more than 15,000. And I, and I think Lamonis will recognize that. He's obviously very successful. And did you see where he pledged a million dollars to North Wilkesboro? Who, Lamonis? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, great. He said they're, they're, that's I mean, Lamonis is. Again. He said, "If it's approved or something, I want to throw a million dollars in to, for improvements and see if we can get something going back there again. Even if it's just a, might be just a truck race, yeah. you know. But you don't yeah. need as much infrastructure as that. But that's something. So I don't know. I think we're kind of all over the place there. But yeah, yeah. and Steph, I think we the one thing we agree with is you know maybe I wouldn't have said it that way. Right. So Agreed. so we're gonna do something fun tonight since we right. don't have a guest. Let's look at. Driver crew chief pairings in the modern era. We're going to call this the dun dun dun. Yeah. The segment segment. You can't have Inman <laughs> and Petty. You can't have Everham and Gordon. And you can't have who was your Canals and Johnson. Canals and Johnson. So segment one: best crew chief driver combinations that aren't the twenty four, the forty eight, or the forty three. Andrew, you go first. No, there's, I'm I'm going to defer. There's one that's pretty obvious here to me. I'm going to defer because I, two of the of the picks I would make, you will call me a homer. Well, I've got an obvious. Then one. go okay. ahead. I think I'm taking one of yours. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Jeff Hammond and Daryl Walter. Yep, that was one of them. Three titles. Three titles. Yeah, a good. Daytona 500, and then a lot of fun after their driving and crew chief and career in the television world. And I think they had like 50 wins together. He had a lot of wins with with Jeff Hammond. Yeah. So I, that's the one that I'm taking, Michael. What about you? I thought. Well, I th- I didn't think I'd have this option open. I'm just going to play within the, in the rules here. And I'm going to go with Dale Earnhardt and Kirk Shelmerdine. Oh, uh, that's four, a good one. Four titles and 44 ends. That's hard to wow. beat right there. Sorry I missed that one, but I'm going to drop the mic and leave it right there for Andrew. Can you guess who I'm going to pick? Um, I, uh, Homer? I, I, uh, I don't know. I would, uh, that, my second pick wouldn't be a Homer I've pick got, for you. I think but I, think I, I know I who know. you're picking. Oh, yeah? Go ahead. Uh, I think you're picking Stewart and Zippy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. yeah Three, that's good. Two yeah. titles with Crew Chief. Yeah, yeah, Third yeah. title with Zippy as the competition director. Fourth title as a competition sure, director and owner for Harvick. Yeah. And it's not yeah. exactly, it's a little bit of a cheat. Yeah, but. Um, no, but those guys, I mean, for a while there, that's, I mean, that was that was the combination. Rather. I mean, that was the Johnson and Canals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, that's what it was. I mean, they were very highly successful. You had uh, also Kale Yarbrough and Herb Knob with 35 wins and two titles. I, did, I think the hard thing there. about that one for me is that it was 76 Seven and eight, like it was boom, yeah. boom, boom. Like Waltrip in Hammond was a full decade. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you know, know sure, and, yeah, you yeah. know, and and Chalmardine and 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 Dale was, I think, four titles in six years or four titles in seven mm-hmm. years. So it's a little bit more drawn out. More, yeah, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. What were you gonna say, Travis? I was gonna say, and this may be controversial. I don't know. Good, we like controversy. Good, more there listeners. Are two crew chiefs that are no longer active, that are not in the Hall of Fame. That I, it's a, it's a disgrace that they're not. Kirk Shelmerdine is one of them. Jeff Hammond is the other one. Jeff Hammond has six titles. Three as a Jackman for Cale Yarborough from 76 to 78, hmm. and then three with Waltrip, 81, 82, and, and 85. And two yep. Daytona 500s, and, I think. Yep. And Yeah. And then, you know... Well, I think Hammond... I think Hammond will eventually get in because of 20 years of broadcast work on top of all of that. Yes, and he's still broadcasting. Shelmer Dean, I agree. I don't know how you... But this is where, you know, for the first 10 years, 12 years of the Hall, and we debate this all the time, but there were so many obvious ones because they had to go back in time and make up for the fact that there wasn't a Hall for 65 years. Mm -hmm. But now we're getting to the point where you end up with you're not going to, they've already dropped the class from five to three, and they're doing that so that they end up with full classes. Because mm-hmm. I think at this point, they're not going to get five people that get unanimously voted in anymore. So I, I think those guys may go to the, what's it, you know, in baseball, they have the writers that do the older guys. Don't they yes. have that same thing for NASCAR? Where there's two, there's the, there's the, Oh, there's the, there's the, the, the it's not the heritage vote. It's the, uh, I know what you're talking landmark. about. The landmark. There landmark award. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, but Kirk Shamardine won his last title, what, 29 years ago? 28 years ago? That's yeah, a long time. <laughs> but I think, I think that there's a segment of the voting panel that I don't want to say doesn't respect what happened back in those days. Because it is a, a mix of young and veteran voters. Um, and it's interesting. It seems like there's a lot of people up to about their mid-60s and a lot of people from the modern era. But that 1970 to 1990 window is kind of skipped over. Yeah, yeah. So it, just something interesting to think about. All right, we got two more. Uh, All right, segment two. Well, I wanted to throw in on there. Sure. There's a few more combos with two two titles. Um, David Pearson, Jake Elder, 30 yep. wins and two titles between them. And this was interesting. Uh, and I love the way this is shown on the rankings. Lee Petty... And Lee Petty, because he was his own crew chief. He was his own crew chief. 54 (laughs) wins, and he had three titles. Now, his son, young Richard at the time, was helping out, but he wasn't older Petty. Uh, Lee Petty was definitely calling the shots. Uh, We mentioned Tony and Greg, Kale and and Herb, uh, Daryl and Jeff. I'm just going through the ones with two. Now, David Pearson and Leonard Wood, 42 wins, but no championships. Still, Hmm. Still a very successful combo. And then I think we covered and everybody else. I think the else. only reason they didn't have titles is they didn't run all they the races. They didn't run all the races. They only ran the Correct. super speedways, right. yeah, in right. Martinsville. All right. Segment two. Segment two. Mm-hmm. Best driver. Not. Not. To, to win, a, win title. a title. Andrew. Or actually, we'll start with Michael. Michael, you go first on this one. Okay, so I didn't want to be called unprepared, uh, Travis. Not that you ever would call me that. But uh, so... <laughs> To, but to stave that off, any wild hairs you got, I did come in prepared. Now, the I looked at the, the list of winners. Davey Allison jumps out, never won a title, 19 wins and 191. I believe that's about a 10% success rate. You had Junior Johnson, I believe, with 50 wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carl Edwards, you know, he was just a few laps away from, from winning uh, there in Homestead a few years ago. Denny Hamlin, obviously, 
on that list, uh, one of the best to not win. I think hopefully his will come. But the highest, so that there is a driver that is on in the one of the highest win percentages, sixteen point five percent of the races he entered, he won, but never won a title, and that's Fred Lorenzen. Mm, Fred I thought Lorenzen. you were going to go Tim Richmond. Well, I, I I thought about Tim, but just just a love Tim, love, but just not as much of a um, database data pool. Yeah. To pull from, well, I it's think hard. Him and Allison both, it's right? It's tough. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. definitely on my top ten. Uh, but I just kind of gave you, you know, four or five there. Tim Richmond for sure. But Fred Lorenzen, I got to say, with that winning percentage, never to win a title, would definitely fall into the number one spot there for me. Solid pick, Andrew. I think the active driver is obvious. I mean, right? It's obviously the 11 car. I mean, nobody's even close. The closest person to him in wins that doesn't have a title. You have to go all the way down to Ryan Newman with 18. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. But we didn't ask about active drivers. I think not only because of his skill as a driver, but as a mechanic, he was the last American hero. I go with Junior Johnson. Can't disagree. I can't. No, I can't disagree. What about you, Travis? So many other things as well. I, I'm going to take Mark Martin. I just, Mark had so much success in the mm-hmm. Xfinity series. Finished second. Three times, I think, in the Cup Series, right? Yes, until Kyle Busch came along. Ran competitively for Hendrick Motorsports until he retired. And I just, I think about what might have been. You know, so many years finishing second. 40 wins. Never won a Daytona 500. Came so close in 2007 when Kevin Harvick beat him when Mark was driving the Army Army car. car, the 01. Yep, just so many... Close calls for Mark, but still, nonetheless, a NASCAR Hall of Famer. Yeah, and if he were, if it was a Saturday, Win Dixie got a lot of free advertising. <laughs> yeah. In the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Oh sure my did. goodness. Yes. All right. Segment. Segment three. three. This one's going to be a tough one, boys. Mm-hmm. The quote unquote worst driver that has won a title. This is an unfair question. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're, they're not, not bad, bad but drivers. Of, the, of that play. group, who's the weakest link? I mean, I'll go first, I guess. Oh, um, all right. Oh. I, just because, who wants to go first on this? I mean, just look at yeah. a list of one-time winners. Uh, by the way, I think you could technically throw a two-time winner in there. Barely. Labonte only so. has 22 wins. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say Labonte or uh, Dale Jarrett would be. And if I had to flip a coin, I guess to go with Bobby Labonte. And that's not, again, this is hard. Not that he's a bad driver, but... I guess the maybe the shoot the weakest of the bunch. I guess I'd have to go with Bobby Labonte. Bobby, I, I that's nothing personal, man. I, I really anyway. I just somehow had to go first. And yeah, there I went. Travis, what about you? Well, I hate to do this because I think he would have had a successful career. I'm gonna go Alan Kowicki. Oh my god! You know yeah. he only had I, he only had five wins, and I know that he was taken from us far too soon. But I just believe the deeper that he would have gone into his career, I believe that owning your own team and winning championships would have been much, much harder. So if you take out the early years, let me. we also, to preface this, we excluded pretty much pre-modern era because there was either multiple titles or the guys that started in the very early days had one and either one or two race wins. And it, it's not really fair when you, the series didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But if you look at NASCAR Cup champions, there are two champions that have less than 21 wins. Do you know who they are? Alan Kowicki and Chase Elliott. Yep. Uh, and let me just say this. And, Ray, and 
let me let me just say this because I know what you're getting ready to say. Race fans, send all of your hatred of what's getting ready to be said to at Andrew Coach Twenty <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was going to say though, to your point about Kowicki, I I think he was one of the best stories in motorsports. Sure, there's no doubt. But if he had continued, how old was he when he died? Early thirties. I don't know. Does I, anyone think he goes from five to twenty-one wins in his career? I don't. I think because of the stories that that have been told. So he either, and I'm just going to go back to, I believe it was Tony Gibson mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. worked with him. Yeah. He either f- just burns himself out and doesn't have enough people to work with him because he said he was difficult to work with because he was so driven. Yeah. So he either gets two or more, or he just flames out yeah it, one of those two things happens and again I, and i don't know it's so hard to say I mean, this guy that I mean, man was so driven he, he was and, um, and again we're we're talking about we're we're splitting hairs here he's a hall of famer for crying out loud yeah so mm-hmm. let's not yeah, right sure and so my pick and i'm picking it simply based on the stats hold on race fans i think the weakest link of all of the drivers <laughs> that have won a title is chase elliott <laughs> And I don't say that because, but he's five years into his cup career. And all these other guys are 10, 12, 15, 20 years. I mean, Kevin Harvick's been racing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say if you lined them up, which driver you would pick. That's not what this question is. This question is, over their careers, if Chase Elliott stopped racing tomorrow, mm-hmm. I think you could make the argument that 11 wins is not good enough to not be the bottom of the rung. And I'm a Chase fan. Now, I think he'll end up somewhere in the 30s or 40s, but he's not there yet. So, my worst, non-car. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, well, there's, was a, there's one more oh. that I know. Uh, Bill Rexford? Well, and then there's one down at the very bottom that was one win and one title at the very bottom of the list. Well, who was it? It was... So there's Red Byron well, well, who had Bill two Rexford wins. Bill Rexford had one win. One win. Yep. And then one Red pole. Byron had one one win and two uh, two wins and one title. Yeah. And That's he, why we excluded them. Yeah. So that I was just wanted an, to sound somewhat intelligent. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that was an but, interesting exercise. And let me let me encourage our fans go to racingreference.com and look up one time winners because. Andrew and I were doing this before before we came on air tonight. There's a list of people I've never even heard of before. Yeah, we've known this sport for we, Michael and I've been watching this sport well over 35 years, and I didn't know what would probably 35 names on that list. I was going to say, what would you say, Andrew? 35, 40 names Easily. that were like who? And I'm guessing they're that? all from the 50s and early 60s. Yeah, probably. There were a lot of one or basically the only one or two time winners that we knew were the crossovers like Foyt and. Parnelli Jones and mm-hmm. all those guys. The guys you know, from IndyCar. Yeah, from the 60s and early 70s that came over. But yeah. there's a lot of people. In fact, let me find my favorite name here. Let's see. Dick somebody. Oh, there was Dick Linder. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed uh, I that one. I don't want that back. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was... Uh... <laughs> Travis likes that one. <laughs> Let's see. There was one other one that, oh, I, thought, that I enjoyed that I can't... F- Dick Passwater. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that looks like you're hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, All right. Uh, anywho, so, but anyway, do do yourself a favor because a lot of what we know and love about this sport is from the modern era, which started in 1970 and goes until today. But there's thirty there's thirty years of history or 30, right. 20, 30 years of history that is not 
well known. Yeah, it wasn't well publicized. It was still such yeah. a regional yeah. sport. I mean, the races were Even the Daytona 500 wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. The races weren't on the radio. You know, the Universal Racing Network didn't come on till way later. And so, but do yourself a favor because the information is out there and it's pretty it's pretty incredible to read about. It is. So we want to move a, on. A to, little, well, I want to a little bit more on Bill Rexford. I'm just, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> so, and this is from Wikipedia. So take, but you know, I don't know why you would fudge on these statistics. So in, in 1950, which was his championship season mm-hmm. he ran three different makes of cars oldsmobile ford it's probably because he wrecked or actually two, of them. T- two two <laughs> two different ones oldsmobile and a ford ran for the same owner one two three four five six seven different car numbers 60 28 80 59 61 62 <laughs> i mean this was in one season That's this crazy. was a, it is it's wild he won in Canada? Is it CA? Uh, let's see. Canfield Speed. His one win came in Canfield Speedway in Canfield Township, Ohio, on All the right. Canfield and, and just, Fairgrounds in Ohio. And just to add, Dick Passwater won his one race in a 1953 Oldsmobile at Charlotte Speedway, not Charlotte Motor Speedway. The old Fairgrounds. The speedway. old dirt track. Old dirt track. Yep. Died July of last year, 94. Wow. I'd say in that, I'd say it's safe to say served, in that one race, he was and, letting it all hang out, wasn't he? Served, yeah, served for four years during World War II in the U.S. Navy. Pretty pretty neat. But yeah, he ran... He ran Service uh, to the nurses? Just 52 and 53. Just just two years. Yep. And at some point, you know, may, I don't know, maybe during the off season, we might take a week or two and, and, and truly look into some of these unknown stories, stories yeah. bring some of those to you because they are fascinating our version of lost speedways yeah lost yeah. yes drivers. lost drivers yeah. um all right boys we got dover this week before we get there i want to talk next gen car oh oh I for- i'm sorry i forgot about that okay yeah next gen car. what you got the reveal well, i liked two things i liked one that they're all going to have well three things one they're all going to have an in-car camera active number two the they look a lot more like the streetcars. I like that look. Yes, they do. And then finally, I think it's going to make the uh, pit stops are going to look very similar, even though it's a one lug. Mm-hmm. They said it's going to be about four tenths per side. Yeah. So you're going to start seeing sub 12 pit stops. The only way they'll get faster is if they add people because you can't get around the car, get it off, get it on. I mean, the, the way that the IndyCar and those guys get down into six and seven seconds with refueling is they've got four, they got the tires laid out. Yes. And I don't think they need to do that. They do not no. need to do that. And, but I, I also like uh, the composite body has been good in Xfinity. I think it's going to be good in the Cup Series. It seems like the car is much more equal. So we'll see what that means. I know a lot of people are afraid it's going to become an IROC series, but I don't know if y'all remember the IROC series is some of the best racing I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but I think it was a good reveal. It seemed pretty exciting. I think most people are excited about it. I think the drivers are excited about it, which is a big deal because when the drivers are excited about it, the fans tend to be excited about it. If the drivers are grumpy about it, I remember I remember when Kyle Busch won the first car of tomorrow race at Bristol. He got out and basically said, this car sucks. Yeah, that was And the, that yeah. doomed that car until it went away because the fans heard that and they're like, oh, this is terrible. The drivers hate it. We're not, you know, we're not going to like it. By either. the way, uh, did we mention last weekend that with Bush's win at Kansas, he's won 18 years in a row? How has he been in the sport that long? 
That's crazy. It does it, seem. I thought it was. Or 17. It's 17. He's 17. Well, so yeah. Who has 18? Patrick Patty. But time. still 17 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he started super young. Too. He did. They were, they but, were young. And, but, but how successful? I mean, Joey Logano started super young and he hasn't won 17 straight seasons. So we were talking about he's this. We were talking about this too uh, before we came on air tonight. So he's tied for ninth with 58 cup wins with Kevin Harvick. Yep. He may get to eighth. Eighth is Dale Earnhardt with seventy six. That's a big gap, but that's a huge gap, and he's thirty five. Now I don't. I'm not saying he's going to retire anytime soon, but yeah, with with as little as he's winning right now, I think eighteen wins might be a stretch. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Terry Labonte looked done until ninety six, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll just have to see. Start um, juicing. All right. <laughs> So the car, the car, not Terry. Yeah. Yes. Oh, as I was say, I wasn't aware that Terry Labonte was a juicer. Terry, Maybe yeah. you meant like an like like smoothies and orange juice. An orange, yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah. Okay, the old, he, he uh, used yeah, a juicer. Yeah. I yeah, see. He, he opened a business, uh, Orange <laughs> okay. Julius. All right, back over here. All now right. you got now. You got me thinking about Jamie Little. <laughs> so oh no, and her bunt cakes and Jimmy John's. By the way, and, I saw what you posted on welcome. Twitter, and I was and like, she, oh my and, gosh. And she liked it, didn't she? Did you also see that she liked it? Travis? Yeah, we missed that. All right. Yep. On she did. On to Dover. On and she to did Dover. within like a half an hour. Okay. And when we get her on the show, you were like, oh, thanks, Michael. Okay. And mm. I'll say, you're welcome, Travis. Okay. All right. On to Dover this weekend. <laughs> hey, give me a hard time. Really? She is a true talent. She is a true blessing to the sport. Shame she is. A little. No, I, I I get it. Oh, I... I I gave her Don't. praises. I gave her she, and that's one of the places where you're. She's talking about ratings, okay. And I said, uh, just imagine if they had you on screen more. The ratings would probably double. Not only because you're attractive, but you're talented, you're enthusiastic, and you're knowledgeable about the sport. Thank you. I, I loved she, it when she was play thank, by play. So yes, that's all. Okay. But I know you like to give me. I prefer time her than to Adam Alexander. No offense, Adam. All right. Anyway, yeah, there you go. So, on to Dover this weekend. Double header this weekend. Unfortunately, they took the truck race away from Dover and gave it to Nashville. But we've got Xfinity on Saturday, Cup on Sunday, High Banked, One Mile, Concrete, The Monster. What are your thoughts? Andrew, we'll start with you. What are we going to see? You're going to see the seven car back-to-back weeks. That's what you're going to see. I completely agree Justin with you. Justin Allgaier dominates at that spot. Yes. I would imagine that you're also going to see the nine probably run pretty well, especially if they end up with no points. Uh, now, does that mean that he's going to end up with a good finish? I don't know. But if you look back over time, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. The last six races, Allgaier has six top tens, five of those are top fives, and two of them are wins. So yeah. I, I, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see the seven car just, uh, Knock it out of the park. Michael, any difference to you? No, I had Algar written down uh, as one of my favorites there, but also Ty Gibbs is racing again this weekend. And, uh, you know, he, he ran really well down there in Darlington. I for, I, I'm going blank on what was it, speeding or he was had it? Two pit road speeding penalties. Yeah, that's what it was. So, I mean, you know, listen, he's a talent. I think he's going to rebound this weekend and have a good run. And I think we're going to have a hard time picking between those two. But I totally agree. Algar is going to be strong this weekend. You betcha. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think he'll be strong. I think you're going to see typical Dover. You know, you're going to see some long green flag runs. You're going to see the monster jump out and bite some people. But I'm excited about Dover. I like Dover. The cup race, 
400 miles is a long time. And it used to be 500. And it used to be five. I can't imagine And it was asphalt. That was before they concreted it. Yeah. So I think Larson will be good this weekend. High, wide, and handsome. I also think Truex will be good this weekend. And I think Chase Elliott will be good this weekend. He runs well there. Yeah, and I think if Stuart Haas has turned the corner a little bit, do not be surprised to see the 41 run well there. He has run well there. As his, as a rookie, uh, the four correct. car runs well there, and and I think uh, you know the eleven runs well there. So I think mm-hmm. you're going to see some of the typical uh, Hendrick, Gibbs, Stuart Haas. I think you're going to see those guys up do, at the top. Do we get a new winner on Sunday? No, I think mm-hmm. it'll be a repeat. I think it's going to be either the ones you guys have mentioned, uh, Harvick. Bo- Bowman's already Arson. won, right? Yeah, he won yes. at Richmond. Yeah. Well, yes, if it's Elliott. I mean, maybe Hamlin. Yeah. I, you know. Harvick hasn't won either. No. no. So there, maybe, right. maybe, maybe it's possible, yeah. but yeah. it's not going to be a driver that's a surprise in no. terms of. That's no. a good way to put it. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't think so mm-hmm. either. Good way to put it. All right, so we've got the Xfinity race Saturday at one thirty on Fox Sports One. Great time. And then you've got the Cup race on Sunday. A little earlier start here, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Well, it's because they don't have lights. because they don't have lights, and it's about a three-and-a-half to four-hour race. Yeah, and any weather will kill it if they start any later. Yeah, so anything else, boys, before we uh, look ahead to things in the future for Blind Spotting Podcast? No, I think we're good. No, I, right. I don't have anything else to add. Thank you. So coming up next week, we are going to have a, a young lady who is passionate about NASCAR and happens to be blind. And she's going to come and give her perspective on what it's like to be a blind NASCAR fan. And it's an interesting story. She's done a lot of other things in her life. And she's going to tell her story in her words next week. So we're excited about that. Next week, we will also preview Circuit of the Americas. I don't know what to expect there, but we're going to preview it as best we can. Long and crooked. Yeah, long and crooked, 3.41 miles, but we'll, you know, we'll twist and turn it and see what happens. And uh, that's about all I've got, boys. And we've got, uh, yeah, the next weekend, we're we're trying to alternate weeks where we've got guests and it's just us talking. And we we really appreciate you listening to week before last. Uh, obviously, last week with Raymond Fox, but the week before last was just us talking about Talladega and I think preview in Kansas, and that's got a heck of a lot of listens. Yeah, I guess it was pretty entertaining, and hopefully, you know, we so we appreciate you listening even when we don't have a guest. And then to start June off, we're going to have Sean Woods join us. Uh, he is he lives locally, and he was a longtime crew member for Harry Gant. Um, which is going to, he's going to have some really interesting stories. And I believe he currently works for the Yates engine department. So um, the Roush Yates engine. So he's going to have some tie-ins there and that's going to kick our June off for us. And we've got some other folks coming up as well, but that's our, that's the next three weeks. And I, Travis, I'm super excited for next week. I know that uh, this is a connection that you've made for us. And I really, and we, we get your perspective and being visually impaired, but it's going to be great to get her, you know, her story as well. And and like you've told us before, she's had a variety of experiences in, in NASCAR. And I believe with MRN and knows some of those guys and uh, not uh, just guys in general, I say, Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited that Colby is going to be joining us. So thanks for setting that up for us. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. And before we get out of here tonight, I just wanted to give two quick shout outs. One to NASCAR on Fox's Larry McReynolds for giving us a shout out on Twitter about the Raymond Fox the third interview. Mm-hmm. So thanks to Larry for that. And then another shout out to Doug Yates, yes. who also gave us a shout out about the interview. So mm-hmm. thanks. Us. Yeah. yeah, thanks awesome. to those gentlemen. Thanks to anybody who retweets our stuff, who shares it on Facebook. We appreciate it. If you have any questions, you can email us at blindspottingpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to answer those questions for you. You can follow us on Facebook at Blind Spotting Racing Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at NASCAR Blind Spot. So that's going to about wrap it up here tonight. For yep. I've got one more thing I okay, want to add, and I meant to stick this in earlier. Uh, we do, uh, from time to time, collaborate with In the Marbles, a podcast down in South Carolina, and I had the pleasure of meeting Matt Beamer, who is the host of that show, along with uh, Preston and you know, great guy. We, uh, my family for re, uh, my son plays baseball. He had a baseball tournament in Charleston, South Carolina this weekend. I texted, let Matt know that we were going to be in the area, and he ended up coming down and meeting my family and I for dinner on Saturday night. That's the first time we'd met. We'd seen each other on Zoom several times. Super guy. Uh, he and Preston do a great job with their with their product uh, in the marbles. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Matt. He always listens to our episodes and we had a great conversation about what we do, what they do, and then what we do together. Um, But it's been great knowing those guys. And again, great finally meeting Matt this weekend. And Matt, if you're listening and you listen to this, I hope that you and your wife are doing well and having a great week and you as well, Preston and your family. That's all I wanted to add. All right, boys. Well, that's going to wrap it up from here. For Michael Colbreth and Andrew Coates, my name is Travis Sherrill. We will be right back here next week, same time, same place. Until next time, have a great week, everybody, and enjoy the racing from Dover.